Welcome to the official Ronnie Landis Podcast Show, where you learn to upgrade the human experience through natural nutrition, lifestyle design, and consciousness engineering. This is no ordinary health or personal growth podcast, and Ronnie Landis is definitely no ordinary host. Ronnie Landis is an integrative nutritionist, transformation coach, and human behavioral specialist. He brings on some of the world's leading thought leaders to deliver to you the most cutting-edge information and unique perspectives so you can create the life of your dreams. Get ready to receive your upgrade in all you believed was possible, starting now. Welcome to another edition of the official Ronnie Landis podcast. I am your host, Ronnie Landis, and before we begin today's incredible show, I want to share an upcoming program I am launching in mid-March, which could be exactly what you're looking for to take your life in every way to a completely new level. You see, over the last year, I have received more requests for personal coaching in the areas of creating optimal health experiencing transformational breakthroughs, and reaching one's highest potential in life than ever before. The coaching work I have done over this last year has been exceptionally powerful, and the results my clients have received has truly and profoundly blown me away, to say the least. As I have deepened my work with my one-on-one clients, I realized there was a major limit to the amount of highly dedicated individuals I could serve and support through this work. Because of this, I decided to create a highly specialized group coaching model that would foster an exclusive, highly supportive, and co-creative environment that helps each person reach their ultimate goals in life and highest expression of vibrant health. This is an eight-week experience called the Breakthrough Transformation Program, and it's designed to ensure each participant receives all of the support, information, and practical tools necessary to reach a place in their holistic life they never knew was possible. I will be personally taking a group of 20 people every week through a deep learning curve into the unexplored potential and helping them to accelerate the integrative process of self-mastery. This program will focus on specific areas such as creating invincible health strategies, cutting-edge nutrition strategies, emotional and mental mastery, overriding poverty consciousness with prosperity consciousness, accelerating learning modalities, becoming a truly empowered leader, and building a successful coaching slash service-based business, and trust me when I say so, so much more than that. This program also will include a three-day live event, which is going to be following the online coaching program and an opportunity to join me for a private Hawaii immersion experience. This program officially begins March 15th and will only be open to the first 20 people who register. So in order to discover if this one-of-a-kind coaching opportunity is the correct fit for you and your goals, please shoot me a quick message at Ronnie, R-O-N-N-I-E, at HolisticHealthMastery.com. 
Again, that's Ronnie at HolisticHealthMastery.com. I'll respond back to you, um, and then we will carry the conversation on from there. Diving into today's episode of the official Ronnie Landis podcast, I want to introduce a good friend of mine by the name of Amateo Ra, and he's a high-performance coach's coach. He works with people all over the world on building their entrepreneurial platforms, building their online presence, and more specifically coaching people on optimizing areas of their life such as their lifestyle and their coaching programs and how they offer their services to the world. And the reason I had Amateo on is because he's a unique character that has really traveled different platforms of the spiritually inclined and personal development world all the way from um, environments like Tony Robbins to more like esoteric Bashar, channeled work, Abraham Hicks, all that kind of stuff. Him and me have a very similar kind of like spectrum that we that we travel across. And a lot of people don't know that Amateo actually used to be a recipient of channeled messages. There's actually YouTube videos you could look up. I would say probably look up Amateo Raw Channeling where he would actually channel um, certain messages, and and I'm not going to go in here and explain what that is if you've never heard that or whatever. It's just something you have to kind of bear witness yourself and allow your paradigm around that to pretty much like dissolve whatever you think that is and see that there is another kind of realm to consciousness. And interestingly enough, Amateo is somebody that I feel like has grounded those spiritual insights or channelings and experiences that he's had into a practical platform of day-to-day living and optimized lifestyle and, and being of service to other people that are developing entrepreneurial focuses in life or vehicles that are based in um, service, that are based in consciousness, helping the world at large, leaving the world better off than we found it. And that's a large part of this message. Um, we go in different areas of this this interview. It's a great interview, by the way. Um, we really we really hit on a lot of incredible topics. One of the core foundations of it is this idea that we want to leave the world better than we left it. And anything that we endeavor to do in our life, anything that we're creating um, and we're providing service for, we want to make sure that it's in harmony with the natural laws of nature and the universal laws of our our planet and what supports life and not producing products or services or anything that actually infringe upon life itself. And that just means being more accountable to our actions and our, our intentions and what we're putting out into the world, being more intentional with our lives as, um, as a whole. So without further ado, epic interview, incredible conversation, and we really drive into some cool, cool territory that I think is going to leave you inspired, hopeful, and ready to activate your higher potential to lead the life of your dreams. So enjoy this conversation with me and Amateo Ra. Amateo. 
Amateo Ra is the CEO of High Vibe and AmateoRa.com. He is a top coach for conscious entrepreneurs, coaches, and healers who are looking to scale their impact and income to higher levels. He combines his long history of expertise in metaphysics, spirituality, business, and coaching to create simple yet effective strategies for highly scalable, high-vibe lifestyle businesses. His blogs have had millions of readers, and he currently specializes in creating world-class live events that generate over six figures in profits. His greatest passion is helping humanity create a high-vibration reality. And with that, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. How are you doing? Here. I'm doing awesome. We just had a great conversation and warmed things up. And yeah, um, I'm feeling good. I just... Uh, uh, today was working with my personal trainer, a bunch of functional movement stuff. And, uh, it's great as I, right. Like as I go through life, I really value people who can extract my weaknesses really quickly and then make me spend a bunch of time strengthening them. So mm. that's, uh, that's what we are doing today. That's what we do every time I see them. And so, uh, every time I do that afterwards, I feel a little more settled in myself. So I'm doing great. Mm, that's good. It sounds like you enjoy riding the edge of discomfort. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. And I like pushing myself to the edge of discomfort. And so, um, uh, right. And, and I also don't like to do it all the time. Right. I like to do it in experimental containers because that feels like it allows me to grow while maintaining safety and, and security. But I definitely like riding the edge of discomfort. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're a highly progressive type of person. So yeah. in order to live the lifestyle you do, to be the coach that you are and, and to be such a, I guess you would call it, the word would be successful coach. Sure. I'd find, I think there's a better word really for that. But, yeah. but just to be such an effective coach and the kind of people that you work with. I mean, the conversation you and me were just having for an hour mm-hmm. before we got onto the air I feel like I just got like a, a coaching session from you and sure. immediately got super clear, super simple, and immediately discovered all the BS that I had been trying to do but wasn't my genius and was really just a waste of my time and energy just from a simple conversation with you. So you're obviously very progressive and... Yeah, and right, like, and even in that conversation, um, going back to even like my, my spiritual background, I have a passion for energy efficiency. Mm-hmm. So I think that that energy efficiency is such the key. And sometimes there's a time where where you know that doesn't mean that I'm not going to like sometimes buy things that have a little bit of waste or whatever, right? Like sometimes that just is a part of life, and there's all of that. But um, I love energy efficiency. So when I see brilliant, talented people who have such gifts but are burning energy inefficiently that, that I feel almost like a due diligence to kind of come in and self correct that because I know the absolute necessity of just from my own experience, what needs to happen in the world, how vital it is, Mm -hmm. how this unique time that we're in is really important for us to up level and us to step up. And like, if I know that there's people whose lives would love to be changed by the incredible work that you do. Cause I know that you're just such a powerful lifestyle optimizer and you can help people really step into their most like vibrant, vital, like life and health. Like that's huge because 
a lot of most successful people I know sacrifice that. And they put that on the back burner. And I know a lot of people who are wanting to step into their purpose but can't get past health challenges to do it. I run yes. into that all the time. Like, like that's the thing. And then that, that was my thing for a while, too. Mm. I, I was struggling with really bad, like, like uh, chronic IBS, almost Crohn's symptoms. And I just, like, my body was just falling apart. I blew a hernia. Like, it was really intense. Mm. So I had to go through this whole physical recovery that really inhibited me from making an impact. So, so when uh, I just need powerful people who are ready to go it's like cool let's get you in full energy efficiency because there's lives that are ready to be changed right. and, and i think that right now we're, we've both been feeling that there's this like kind of like this all all hands on deck process going on right yeah like we all got to do the work we all got to put it in to get somewhere mm. yeah that, thank you for that that's really powerful i really feel the call to duty, you know, just listening to you to relay that. And, you know, that, that kind of leads into one of the questions I had for you, which is, you know, where does your passion for coaching come from? That's a great question. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, it comes with, uh, it comes from a ridiculous and often obscene obsession with the idea of ascension. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, have a, you have a company called Ascension Academy. Right? I do. Yeah. Yeah. And I, in fact, that, that's one of my main programs and live events that I mm-hmm. produce. Mm-hmm. Um, our last live event was here in Encinitas. Right. We had like, uh, like 60 people in the room. It was beautiful. It was really amazing. Really, really amazing. One of my favorite things to do is live events is mention my bio, but, um, I've had these visions and I've had these visions. It wasn't just like in psychedelic states, although that was a part of it. It also happened in morning meditations and in dreams and, um, uh, in float tanks and on, mm. and on, on rocks in Sedona, right? Like, mm. um, and it was this vision of maybe like a future world, like, like a world where, um, we had evolved into a more harmonic species, Mm. where the trivialities of mongering for resources and, and, and power had really reduced and a new world started to emerge in its place when built on coherence and emergence and synergy. And as a result of that, the, there was a reshaping and a terraforming that's taken place. Mm. Um, you know, seeing super sustainable cities, where um, we are resourcing our food and our nutrition from vertical farming that's all, you know, uh, not only carbon neutral, but is is doing more to benefit than it is harm. Mm -hmm. And it's like all of a sudden there's been this conversion where we go from uh, the byproduct of our evolution because we're so, in a way, I think we're just still so primitive, has such a toxic byproduct. Yes, because we're yes. still working with these things that are primitive, you know, oil's so primitive, combustion engines are so primitive, you know, if I was to open the hood of, of a Corolla versus a Tesla, you're like, this is, this feels like it's from two different entire species, you know, like, like it doesn't even compare and, I, and, I, and I'm still driving a combustion engine car, but, but there's something happening here. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so it's like taking that and amplifying that. And I, and so I started to have these visions of this world where we had converted into um, a positive-oriented humanity. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, we are working collaboratively to 
do omnipositive action, omnibeneficial choices, and artificial intelligence is helping us make those decisions to weigh in, okay, you know, if this thing happens, how does it affect the entire species on the planet as a mm-hmm. whole? Because now we have a data set. You know, the, the kind of decision-making that should be happening in our um, behind-the-scenes, in corporate environments, you know, there, there shouldn't be decisions made without omnipositive thinking going into how this is going to affect everything at all levels of life. I think that that world is emerging and it's coming. But I don't think it's happening necessarily just top down, like the, the corporations are going to yeah. get it and, you know, like the whole is going to have grassroots and, you know, all like overnight, you know. And, um, I think that everybody will get on board with it and they are. And um, But I think it, 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 it starts from independent, inspired people starting to help others heal I think that, that, that there's some weird connection to what's been going on inside of our own bodies, our own repressed emotions, our own disconnection from spirit that has been part and parcel manifesting this toxic byproduct of a mm-hmm. world. So yeah. one, it's helping the individuals hit critical mass of their own healing, but mm-hmm. then also hitting critical mass of what's on the other side of that healing, which is uh, application of purpose. And so then that application of purpose causes this cascade and then eventually, hopefully, maybe I'll see that world, maybe not. Maybe my, my children will see that, hopefully. Maybe their children, you know, my children's children will see that ideally. Um, ideally, we all make it to that arena and all, you know, all goes according to divine plan. Um, but um, my passion for coaching is the fact that that's a why for me and I don't lose sight of that even in the minutia of the day-to-day or, you know, nine hours of back-to-back coaching calls, which sometimes I do. Um, um, I just, I can always come back to that and I've, I've spent so much time cultivating it that it doesn't leave. And then, so that's the big picture. The small picture is just watching people have breakthroughs. Yeah. You know, my, one of my clients just uh, did a live event and generated over $120,000 from it. It was huge. Um, and there was like less than a hundred people in the room and, uh, yeah, she had like her biggest, biggest sales day. She had like over 55,000 in a single day. And most of that was up front. Stuff like that just blows my mind, gets me so excited and definitely drives me forward. Right. And it's, it's, it, I, I don't suspect that it's the money per se that gets you excited. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a breakthrough of a, of a barrier or a limitation. Mm-hmm. Um, right. That, that yeah. often, and I find, you know, before today, um, this morning, I was doing an interview. So that would be everyone listening. That would be the last interview on this sure. podcast with Ayana Mojica. Okay. And um, she is a wealth and love and spiritual coach. Mm-hmm. And so that was an interesting d- dynamic to connect all those together. Mm-hmm. And um, what, what came up through that and is coming up in this is that the money or the number, let's say, mm-hmm. tends to be, you know, it's just a, it's a way for us to box ourselves into a limitation oftentimes. Mm-hmm. For example, $120,000 from a single event. For me, mm-hmm. that is a stretch mm-hmm. simply because I haven't done something like that totally. before. Right? So if I were to do that, mm-hmm. I could imagine... Um, even getting the, the transaction wouldn't be the thing for me. It would be the realization that I'm actually, my potential 
is so much greater than I ever thought it was. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's true. You know, I think that when something became right, cause like for me, I, I don't know that the word self-made is weird because I, so many people had such a helping hand in it, but like right. I, I went, <laughs> um, but, but I, you know, um, I had, a, I had to really rise out of my own poverty consciousness. Mm. So, um, for to spend 500 or a thousand dollars on something was just like so huge of a concept for me before. And so with these numbers for me, um, do the, do the numbers or does money excite me and inspire me? It does. Um, but is it uh, a deeply fulfilling motivation? No, you know, I think it's, it's liberating. It gives people options and choices. You know, I talked to that, that, that woman today and, and she's right now assessing all the different coaches she can work with, all the places she can live in the world, what comes next for her. And, and she created an authority in the world that was – so now now people are coming out of the woodwork. Wow. Bigger people want to partner with her. That's what really exciting. That's me. exciting. That's exciting because now she's a leader. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So now she's a leader. And before she was just finding her footing in a big world. And, uh, and now she's gotten so much respect and, and she's seen in a different way. And man, I just love that. That, that really, that really lights me up. That, that lights me up. Mm-hmm. That right there, that strikes a chord with me. Yeah. That, um, that kind of leads me into the next one, which is what does it mean to you to be a conscious entrepreneur? Yeah, that's uh, that's great. Let me let me let me also preface too, and also for everyone listening, because this is a very eclectic audience. This totally, is maybe the most <laughs> unique and diverse audience on on the podcast land. Yeah, just probably because of the nature of my personality, <laughs> totally. and all the different people that I bring together. Uh-huh. Um, so, and you're pretty like you have eclectic, <laughs> you have esoteric, you've got futuristic, right? Like yes. it's all parts of yeah, who you all, are. Totally, highly yeah. scientific, highly esoteric, yeah. <laughs> all over, right? Um, but you know, so I feel like there's a difference between quote unquote entrepreneur mm-hmm. and being a conscious entrepreneur. They're not always yeah. synonymous. They're not, and so right. So we can look at the traditional, and we can kind of look at new paradigm. Uh, notions yeah. of this word. So when we say conscious entrepreneur, we're also looking at socially conscious. Mm. We're looking at environmentally conscious, right? We're looking at these things that have inherent impact to uh, our world as a whole. Um, the decisions we make, the businesses that we build, they're here to better things, right? They're here to better people. They're, they're, they come from the heart. They, they, they come from a desire to leave things better than we found them. Yes. And at the core, I think that's what it really means. I think that that's the kind of foundation of it. And so, uh, you know, some people will kind of play, make fun with the words. Like, what do you mean? Like, what's the difference? Are other entrepreneurs unconscious? I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe they're unconscious of the impact their decisions have. There you go. Maybe they're they're unconscious Mm -hmm. of the fact that um, the byproduct of their industry or of their product has some kind of toxic effect that has to be cleaned up by someone later yes. and they're, they're not wanting to look at that. That is an unconsciousness, you know? So there's that element to it. But I think also then we go into the more new paradigm approaches of this term. And that, that means more of like, uh, I'm, I'm conscious of myself. 
I'm, I'm more, I'm, I'm willing to take a lifelong journey of self-awareness and growth. I inherently know that the things that happen out of me, outside of me are an extension of me. And, um, I'm willing to do personal development, see my own shadow and not get stuck in my own bullshit. Mm. And, mm. um, and also make sure that I'm coming back to higher purpose and integrity and authenticity. Mm. Um, I think that integrity itself is something that is a very rare quality. Uh, and it doesn't matter if you call yourself spiritual or you're just of the business world. Um, integrity is still a rare quality <laughs> and, um, and you have to, uh, you know, so for me, um, there's a lot for me, if I was to be very preferential on the term, it would have to do with being uh, really in high standing integrity and, and, and mm. devoting your life to that and, and having um, a spiritual backbone of strong values that, you know, coordinate to that. I think that's the beauty of, of religion is that religion has a value set mm. that people can identify with and say, these are my fa family values. These are my religious values. This is what the Bible says is okay or not okay. You know, that doesn't work for me. I don't think it works for, maybe it doesn't mm -hmm. work for you. Mm -hmm. But um, now in the spiritual world, I think we still need values. Yeah. And maybe a little more structure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So we have like a set of definitions that we can go, is this right or is this wrong? Mm. You know? Yeah. Kind of like a moral compass, right? Exactly. I mean, that's funny in the spiritual world. Um I've had to distance myself from certain sects and groups because there was too much like airy fairiness. There was too much limbo. Um, I even got caught up in it. And that's not where I come from, a martial arts and very athletic background. So I was raised with, yeah, discipline, focus, hard work. And also, it wasn't called spirituality, but I was raised meditating. Oh, wow. And, you oh, know, cool. with traditional Eastern um, martial arts kind of a background. So oh, wow. so that was all very built into me, but we didn't, it wasn't called spirituality right. in the sense of like when the secret came out and then this whole oh. movement got started, right? Totally. And, um, uh, but so, you know, to, to what you were just saying, um, I think there, yeah, I think there needs to be some form of moral compass. Otherwise, we have the continuation of, like, spiritual bypass. That's right. Yeah, and, uh, right, spiritual bypass, intellectual bypass, and mm. emotional bypass. These mm. are all things that affect people as a whole. Like, how many of us are not fully, and, and even for your listeners, like, how many of, of, of all of you out there are, are listening? And there's so much more that you could be doing with the knowledge you've already ascertained that you're just not putting into practice and applying. Yes. You know, I think that that's something that is, is always a sobering reality check for me yes. where I'm like, Oh shit. I know what I need to know in so many ways. I'd love to still be on the cutting edge of information. I still have that. And yeah. I think you do too. We're just intellectual in that way, but there's also that element of real like implementation digesting what you're learning, you know, you're going from a health perspective, making sure you're integrating it, embodying it, and it's yeah. active practice. But I agree. The moral compass is a big thing. And, 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 you know, going back to the kind of airy fairy spiritual side, that that's the side that I had to, I went into that for a moment to just kind of understand it because yeah. I was so deep in spirituality and channeling and in metaphysics and 
was very deep in that world. I kind of thought maybe that was my future as a whole, if I would just dedicate my life to that. Um, I thought about opening up a ministry. I didn't know what I was going to do, you know. But as a result of that, I mean, I emerged from that, and I had to distance myself from a lot of it as well. Um, the main issue is that in that world, I see incredibly talented, incredibly gifted, incredibly beautiful people who have a great passion and a great desire who are squandering. Mm. those gifts and that potential. And some of it is willing. Some of it is just ignorance and unconscious. They just don't, don't know exactly what to do with it. Right. And then some of it is just a desire to live in some kind of idea of flow or spiritual, whatever that keeps them darting around, maybe constantly seeking, but never really getting back. And Mm. this is, this is, this is the, almost a bane of this culture since the sixties, right? Mm. Where, where the wisdom lives in the people who are not applying back into the world. The people who are hustling and going so full from the world are doing so at the expense of their connection of themselves and do not have, are not plugged into the wisdom. And so now Mm. we're at this weird place where things are kind of coming back and everything is communicating with each other and yes. the wisdom is finding its way into the world and the people of the world are waking up to stuff and CEOs doing ayahuasca or whatever that may be mm-hmm. and, and, and the spiritual people really getting their shit together and going yeah. to make something of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and that's exciting because, you know, I think that that's, that's in my visions and how I reverse engineer things. That's what I saw would happen. And so yeah. like, now that it's, it's, it's emerging, it's, it's really cool. And I'm sure that your listeners are a big part of that. I know you yeah. are too. And I know that you've helped guide them to a lot of these answers and help mm. empower them to, to not only maybe get better healing and optimal lifestyle wellness, but really apply themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, and that's the key I find, you know, I was just having a conversation with, um, this gentleman, um, Charles, who, you know, had this huge experience. He, he's, um, you know, working at, I think it was a place called Crossroads, which oh, is, yeah. yeah, you know about them. Yeah. So they, they do work in the psychedelic world with mm-hmm. healing trauma and things of that using Iboga and, um, other, other entheogenic modalities. And we kind of bump into each other and then he starts kind of asking me about my whole deal. And, um, uh, it was just really interesting. Um, I almost lost my train of thought on that. Um, mm-hmm. Before, like maybe where cross roads is going, and like people who are going and waking up through like getting yeah started. okay yeah, yeah yeah thank you for bringing me back so totally. um yeah so yeah so through this whole thing of of waking up you know mm-hmm. that that different people that there's a, there's a cross pollination that was the thing that was coming up right. was that through the internet and through all these different conversations that are coming up there's a cross pollination mm-hmm. that's happening. Right, whether that be through psychedelics, that be through definitely through nutrition. Um, and the thing that came up in the conversation, the reason I bring it up is because you know he brought up a really good point that I added on to with my work is that the integration is everything. So you have a lot of people that are running around trying to 
have these profound mystical experiences that they're seeking God or something, whatever. They're trying to find clarity. But then oftentimes people use that as a drug. They'll use it as a, a form of escapism because they haven't actually integrated the insights that they received from that experience into their daily life. That's right. Right. And so that's what, you know, that just came up in our conversation. And, um, yeah, so I just think that's a really important idea. I I agree. I have this uh, saying that I sometimes uh, give people, which is, um, stop picking up the phone, expecting the message to answer the call. (laughs) Mm. Right. Because, again, that was my story too. Like I went through that. I started drinking ayahuasca when I was 22 years old. I spent six years in shamanic study and went super deep down that path. And at one point, uh, I remember sitting in a ceremony and just looking around and what am I doing here? Mm. What am I doing with myself? And sure, this is great and all, but like, I don't really want any more ecstatic visions. Like I, I, cool. I got, I got to, I literally got to meet God and it was the most profound experience of my life multiple times. What more do I want? You know, at that point I actually felt kind of gluttonous and I also felt like I kind of had my hand out, Mm. like just, just give me the thing. Why do I have to work for it? Like, isn't this enough work? And, 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 uh, and it took me really, you know, I, I ended up as a result of all of that, I ended up just kind of floating to the point that I was homeless and ran out of money, was camping on the side of the road and uh, didn't really have purpose and didn't know exactly where I was headed. I just had vision. I didn't have application. I didn't have integration and I didn't know what to do with all of this. I mean, I just opened up so many pathways and I, I had seen so much and I had gained so much and I had really grown a lot in a lot of deeply personal ways and processed tons of shadow and trauma and, and childhood stuff. I've just cleaned up the past so profoundly, but in the present, I was very disconnected from my body, from myself, from my health, from, from, uh, from really taking all of this and actually giving it as a service. And, um, and then, uh, it took me years to actually, take all of that and turn it into an engine of service and impact and then start to grow that and scale that and to have an identity, a big engaged tribe that wants to be really, really fortified and excited and, 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 and wants to do great work together, you know? So it's a, we, we all have an area in our life where we're trying to like get the momentum going and cranking that can be a little tough Mm -hmm. when it's not our strength or our defined area. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure for all of your listeners, there's, there's that they're going to define that area. Maybe it's going to be their health. Maybe it's going to be their wealth and their success and their business and their service. Maybe it's going to be um, their spiritual connection. Like they've got the rest of it, but like that's something that they're still scared of. Mm. It's kind of nerve wracking. And I think now it can be even scarier to go down that rabbit hole because there's so much media about it. Mm. You know, like you want to go have a spiritual experience, but now it it comes with drinking weird tea and music and all this, you know, like (laughs) it's, it's gotten to this point where that's the idea that you have to just jump into that. And I don't know that that's right for everybody. Yeah. 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 (laughs) 
Definitely. Yeah. It worked for me, but I don't know if it's right for everybody. Right. And it changes, right? As you just said, like you've had those experiences to the point where you realize that that no longer you kind of outgrew that scene. Yeah. I'd rather go into the float tank. Yeah. And just figure it out. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, use the, the open up the pathways that you use the pathways that have opened up uh-huh. and, um, or go into meditation or go work out or go for a run and, yes. you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and then and for those reasons, I, I don't dabble so much as I used to. I like that. I like that more and more sustainable, more easily accessible and also really more, more healthy right. and, and beneficial to you. Things that you can access pretty much immediately. Yes. And, you know, and, and one of the things that I'm super passionate about is biohacking and high performance. Yeah. So I'm very interested in nootropics and tonic herbs and, and, uh, I, I try and test a lot of different products and, you know, I've got so many bottles of dragon herbs downstairs. It's ridiculous. And it's like tonics <laughs> <laughs> and smoothies and yeah, all sorts of shit, you know? So, um, and, and that's what I've found. I really love, mm-hmm. I, I really love, you know, at the end of the day, I want to get high all the time mm-hmm. and I'm just aware of that. Mm-hmm. That's almost like, uh, I can just admit that. Right. So as a result, it's like, okay, I want to do that in a healthy way mm-hmm. that doesn't unground me and traumatize me. I want to do it in a way that supports my <laughs> service, doesn't distract me from it. Yeah. So that's led me to these, these tools, uh, like tonic herbs, um, and like nootropics mm-hmm. and, uh, like really high quality enzymes and probiotics, mm-hmm. um, really high quality fibers mm-hmm. that that's made a huge difference in my life. Um, you know, I really like clean BCAAs. I think those are really great for performance. Um, uh, making sure that I'm getting enough electrolytes and these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, once you develop a certain level of sensitivity, um, I usually am this guy who's trying to dose everybody with everything that yeah. I have. That's all, that's all, that's all tonic herbs kind of style. Like, you know, uh, uh, you'll find me at an event sometimes just passing out Shizandra yeah. powder to yeah. people. Uh-huh. And, and, and I'm always, can you feel it? Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Cause I feel all that stuff, yeah. you know, and, and I eat little things or, or, or make a smoothie. I get high from it. I'm like, Hey, you'll make you high. Do you feel like you're high? And people, sometimes they, they do. And sometimes they don't. But um, I, I that that's what I get really excited about these mm. days. We definitely have a similar passion yeah, in that way. Right? Yeah, this tonic that I that I brought over is like a little bit of a chocolate tonic, uh-huh. but it's got a high grade um, CO two extracted turmeric powder, mm-hmm. and then with like macuna and holy basil and reishi and cordyceps nice. and shaga and a few other goodies. And I'm high. I'm high as a kite on right. <laughs> but I'm totally operational, totally mm-hmm. functional. I could give an eight hour uh, lecture. In fact, tomorrow I'm giving, I'm giving a lecture downtown. So there oh, you go. Yeah. So, it's, but it, it's that kind of thing, right? Like that you can actually experience natural highs, um, in, in sustainably and be totally functional and it's actually good for you. Right. And, and I think that one thing that doesn't get talked about so much is that the natural highs, especially the ones that aren't super stimulating, have a compounding effect. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like that, the more chaga and reishi and stuff that you drink, the more it's going to influence your system and the more powerful it's going to be. Yeah. Um, so I love that, right? Like, and like, like you said, like you feel like you can just keep going. 
and you're going to have all the energy you need and you're going to just be lit. Yeah. Like, that's awesome. I love yeah. that. Um, I feel the same. Like I was just drinking a smoothie and it's got my 91 in one greens powder that I just re up from dragon herbs, which is mm. really great. Um, I can't do MCT oil. It's too hard on my intestinal tract. Like I don't, it doesn't work for me either. Yeah. But I, I have an MCT oil powder. Oh. Amazing. Works great. Doesn't bother my system. Tastes great. Makes everything thick and frothy. I love oh, it. Okay. So I was doing that. Got some samaka. I feel great. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So you're, you, you really enjoy experimenting. I, yes. And, uh, you know, I kind of have like experiment, like wild scientist hair, you know, uh, <laughs> maybe you guys will see it in the photo of my bio or something, but, um, uh, yeah, I, my, everything that I do is based in experimentation. Um, I'm not as, I could be better at tracking it with specificity and scientific style precision. Mm-hmm. Um, the more I automate my life, I think the easier that will be. Yeah. But the, um, the thing is like, I think that my life, well, I treat my life and my business and my relationships and my romance and my health as, as one big experiment. Mm-hmm. Everything is an mm-hmm. experiment. So when I do a launch, it's an experiment. So usually I'm setting up experiments in different areas of my life simultaneously. Interesting. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. So right now I've got a, uh, I'm doing, um, functional movement training, right? I mentioned that before. That's an experiment. I'm doing the ketogenic diet. Mm-hmm. So that's an experiment. Um, and right now I was doing the build the back end of my business experiment. That's just, that's about nearing completion. So now I'm doing a new experiment that's launching a new brand of podcast. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then I'm doing, um, uh, an experiment with my partner where we're moving into a bigger house for a certain period of time to build the business in that as a, as a collective. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just think, I think experimentation takes the pressure off of alcohol. I was about to say that. It sounds to me like when you treat your life like an experiment, then it takes the, the, the pressure of, um, you know, the, the defined goal or the, def- or mm. the should and the have-to-ism of it mm. that tends to contract us and compress us mm. and depress us. But when it's an experiment, then you t- it's, there's a sense of neutrality with it. It's like, oh, well, let's see what yeah. happens if we do this for 30 days or a year or whatever. Right. And, like, um, experiments are meant to fail. Right. Right. So, you, so you're not disappointed or, or like, oh, my God, like, you have this whole life-altering or you're sidelined. It's like, no, that was actually – we expected that to happen. When we look at success, success is mostly based on anticipation. Hmm. So, uh, so is wealth building. Um, that, that, so like my experiments, I need to anticipate that they're going to fail. I need to anticipate that they're going to succeed. <laughs> I need to have, uh, uh, predictions and responses to both of those, assuming that either one could happen and, and, and really get some predictability about where each one's going to go. And so a lot of the things that uh, I just operate in is I, I go, cool, what's the likelihood that this is going to go this way? And then I can ask myself the important questions. What is it going to take? What resources will I need? What will I have to sacrifice? You know, so I, um, I think sacrifice is real. I used to, 
I used to be a lot more mature about sacrifice. Mm. You know? Mm. Um, <laughs> I don't have to sacrifice anything. Nope. <laughs> kind of sacrifice a lot. I just never, I didn't really understand that before. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, so I, the, the, the more I've taken that approach of, I'm just going to see where this goes. I'm just going to have fun. I'm going to experiment. I'm going to take all the pressure that it has to be this kind of outcome. My, I've exceeded my goals. I've exceeded my hypotheses that I set out going for it. And I have a much easier time doing it. And I have less, I have less breakdown in the system because maybe, I don't know, maybe if you anticipate that the breakdown will happen and you kind of are, you, you simulate that reality you are less likely to have to experience it for the lesson inside of it. Uh-huh. Oh, that's interesting. Ooh, that was really interesting. I, it reminds me when I, um, I used to read, um, samurai literature. Oh, cool. And so like the book of the five rings by mm-hmm. Miyamoto Musashi, mm-hmm. legendary samurai figure in Japanese history. And one of the things that comes out of that is, that the the samurai would meditate on their own death mm. prior to going into battle. So they would meditate on being torn apart by arrows and swords and spears in the most agonizing um, but probability, quite mm. you know, realistically. But they would meditate on that, so it would somehow remove fear, right? Because they were they were already expecting it. Mm-hmm. In a sense, right. not that they were going looking for it, but they were no longer afraid of the unknown. That's right. That's kind of how I took it. Yeah. And I think like when it comes to success, we're always reaching for something we haven't experienced yet. Yeah. So most of the, <laughs> the breakdown, the failure, I think that we have more familiarity there. At least I do. I have so much familiarity with things not going right, (laughs) you know, and and things failing to meet my expectations. So things exceeding my expectations is always a phenomenal novel experience for me every single time. So (laughs) me too. (laughs) As it should be, right? Um, So I do think that there's something to that. I mean, I think that in the spiritual world, there's a lot of resistance to going to the outcome you don't want to happen because people are afraid to feed energy to it. Yeah. They're like, I don't want to attract that. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to meditate on it. Um, but at the same time, it's like you resist it so much. It, 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 it has that rubber band effect. You're trying to push it out so far. It comes back and hits you in the face. So if you don't care about whether that happens and you just welcome it and you welcome the whole picture, but you take time to sit with just the reality of the different things that could happen. I think the likelihood is that it happens less. Mm-hmm. At least that's been the results of my experiments. I think you're right. And the results of the experiments I've led my clients through as well. Mm-hmm. I usually say uh, on the path of focusing on what we really want to create, let's make sure we spend plenty of time getting clear on what we don't want. Right. Because then we can create parameters, actions, tools set things in motion to ensure that that doesn't happen and so when we have detail flush out the things that we don't want and the things that we want that we do we can 
have a much clearer map of how to navigate things. So when some things are to lean towards, oh, I don't want this, then we know how to pull it back and self-correct it. But if that's not got any attention on it, it's got probably a greater likelihood to fall unconscious and then to, to you end up there. Mm. It seems like maybe for a lot of people, it might even be more important to focus on what it is you don't want mm. as an exercise than to just focus on what you do want. I think it depends on the nature of the person. Okay. So it depends on how visionaries who are so focused on what they want to create all the time, you know what, that practice is going to be really healthy for them. But for people who have a little bit more of a negative bias Mm -hmm. and focus on what they don't want and what they don't want to happen all the time. They're already living in that place. That's right. They need to get out of that. They need to get out of that place. This goes to positive psychology where we have green cape and red cape thinking. Mm. Red cape thinking is what do I don't want to have happen? What do I don't want? What do I not want? Uh, What are the problems? So red cape thinking is constantly looking for potential problems or existing problems. Green cape thinking tells us what's working, what do I want, uh, what can I put energy upon that is already that already has energy. Um, how can I fortify strengths rather than just focus on weaknesses? Mm-hmm. And, and in the coaching that I do, I spend a lot of time helping my people exist predominantly in green cape as, as their predominant force, but red cape still has to have viability. I think that both of those, I think that people are unwilling to actually look at both of those ends of the spectrum and try to stay somewhere in the middle. Right. And I think what's most important is that you've got a balance of the reality of both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very well put. Mm-hmm. So on that note, let me change directions here. Sure. Um, I want to discuss the idea of, and it might be relative to this too, the idea of, well, actually, you know what? I'm going to switch on that one too. Sure. I, I want to go a different direction. We have a, the, you know, a situation that I'm aware of that occurred a couple of years ago through a mutual friend. Mm-hmm. Um, we won't go into the, the specifics, totally. but... Uh, but as it's relative to situations that happen inevitably in all of our lives. Right. I'm curious, how, how do you deal with situations such as betrayal mm-hmm. or life-altering disappointments or disruptions? Yeah. Such a good question. Like, everybody who's listening to this has relatability here. Yes. And if they don't... Anticipate that you will. <laughs> Everything you were just talking about kind of prefaces this. It does. It's a really good lead-in, actually. Right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, first and foremost, you have to have the mindset and the belief system that every setback is an opportunity. So when something, when a critical failure happens in my reality schematic, whether that's <laughs> relationships, a breakup, a partner cheats on me. I don't know. There's so many different things that can happen. Instead of just going, oh my God, the world's fucking ending and I'm just going to go into crisis mode and collapse. For whatever reason, I don't even know exactly where this comes from. It might be even a genetic thing. I don't know for me. But but my response is my ears perk up. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh shit. 
energy is moving so monumentally that there has to be something on the other side of this that space is clearing for. And I am so attuned to that, that whenever a betrayal or something critical happens, I know that there's space that's, that's being created and I get so excited Mm -hmm. because I can only start to imagine and fathom what's going to fill that space. So every time I've had a major critical setback, uh, I think what I was referring to is uh, kind of had a business partner that we went mm-hmm. separate ways and there some challenges, but, but rather than, yeah, one platform that we were creating, it did collapse. Yeah. And, and that was really sad. There was a lot of energy invested, a lot of money invested, a lot of time. You know, it, it's, it's, it's like almost a death of a child, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and the parents separating as a result of it. It's like, or, or, or the parents separating and the death happened. That's really the way that it worked. That's devastating, right? But at the same time, that was such a huge shift in energy. I knew immediately that I was being asked to step up larger and that I was hiding behind this thing. Wow. And so when I realized that, I went, okay, I'm going full on on my gifts. And, I'm, and, and I had been creating partnership. I had been doing all this stuff. I, I love the idea of co-creation. And, and this was my experiment and not only creating a business built upon co-creation, but building a platform that was a massive hub of co-creation, the concept of which I still haven't seen replicated in the way that we wanted mm. to do. So it was very exciting. It was very it was something palpable. But was it time? Did we accurately have the resources? No. So I see those kind of critical failures as um, – you know, it's like, it, it's a huge blessing, but sometimes, you know, that, that beautiful gold nugget is, is, is covered in spikes yeah. and, and it's painful and it sucks, but you have to, you have to soften yourself. You, you can't just harden. You can't close your emotions. You can't become jaded. You can't say, fuck you, fuck the world. It's not mm-hmm. going to work that way. Um, and, and, and pushing out emotion is not going to work. So, mm. so I, I had to go through the process of my own, in any betrayal, this is, this goes to all the betrayals, goes to all the major life transitions. Mm. I have to go through an emotional processing that, that has to become embodied. I have to shake. I have to scream. Mm. I have to let it all out and I have to go through, I have to cry. Sometimes it's, it's aggressive and it's angry and I'm pounding stuff. Sometimes it's gentle and it's soft and it's graceful, but it doesn't really matter. Sometimes it's all of those things in the matter of an hour, right? But so one, I, I, I do my best. I just do my best to not emotionally bypass it. Yes. Right. Because it, <clears throat> anything that you emotionally bypass now is work for you to do later. It's, it's way easier for you to do it now than take care of it later because because you can you can clean up you can you can sort through the trash and recycle stuff or you can bury it underground and now you have a giant hole you have to fucking dig and everything's rotting down there and now now that's what you have to deal with so do you want to deal with a bunch of rotten shit you buried underground or do you want to just take care of it sort it now and move on with your life even if it's scary even if it's uncomfortable even other whatever the more you're able to process it, the more energy you're re-harnessing for that new opportunity. 
So I know, I now know what goes on in that. I now know that, that God and the universe has higher potentials for me and, and new opportunities. And I get, I get excited for critical change because it means that a turning point has arrived. Mm. And, and if there's one thing that there's a lot of things I'm not good at, there's a lot of things I still struggle to be confident with, but if there's one thing I am confident in, it's that when a turning point arrives, I take advantage. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's an amazing perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I, I definitely get a lot out of that. I think people are going to get a lot out of that. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'm almost wanting to take a breath on that and create a pause. Mm. Yeah. Because it tends to be, you know, Tony Robbins has this great thing he does in his lectures where, you know, he, he'll, he'll ask people like, how many of you love surprises? Right. And everyone raises a hand. He's like, Oh, you guys are full of it. You only like surprises when it benefits you. Right. You know, I thought, oh, it's so funny, right? Because that seems to be so true. Mm-hmm. Like, but when something boomerangs or something comes out of nowhere and it's not our preference mm-hmm. and it, it makes us uncomfortable or it's devastating and it literally alters our life, or, um, you know, in very it's real like situations. like a dark night of the soul. Absolutely. And it's very difficult to deal with then it's kind of like the moment of truth in a way, you know, and, and we all have to deal with those moments, especially the more progressive and spiritually inclined we are. We're going through a, um, a shedding of the skin, of the old skin, the old identities, the old isms. Um, and it's painful. And, and, you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's the kind of the, the shock and, 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 um, and naturopathic, um, medicine, they call it the Hertzheimer syndrome, mm. where somebody goes through a detoxification and they, their body goes through a shock zone because they're purging so many right. toxins in their bloodstream. And it's compounding to the point where it's actually shocking the system. Mm. And so I feel like that's happening just in our own lives. Mm. And to know that that's part, I use detoxification as a constant metaphor because right. it's like one of the most amazing once you understand the process, then it's like, oh, this is just part of the process of transformation. Right, yeah, right. <laughs> and it's amazing because we've reached this point where we are willing to detoxify our bodies. Right. We're willing to detoxify our environments to a certain level. Mm. But when detoxifying our lives as a whole relates into some kind of <clears throat> emotional distress, that's when we really, we really get shaky. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think that, uh, you have to, you have to know, you know, you have to know and trust deep down within your emotional body that one emotions are going to be impermanent and two, that there's something underneath it that's pulling you into something higher. So I love that. I think that's really a great analogy. Yeah, there's something emerging through the, the drama, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because, um, what was synergistic has now turned entropic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, kind of big ups to Daniel Schmachtenberger for helping me with that understanding. But, um, so something that was synergistic, these different pieces that are working together that were harmonizing to emerge something greater than mm-hmm. themselves, uh, has now started to break down and create more chaos yeah. 
than elegant complexity. Right. And so now this chaos is taking its toll and it's kind of ripping apart everything. That's, it's so easy to almost fall asleep and want and just kind of give in to entropy and think that that's, that's it. Right. Like, Oh, everything is going to just fall into chaos now yeah. and I'm going to go into that. And I'm just going to become a fucking emotional wreck and I'll pick up all my old addictive habits and, you know, and I'm just going to go back to, you know, ice cream, cigarettes, weed and Netflix or whatever, which is my yeah. thing, you know, yeah. that's not the thing I struggled with. Um, uh, you know, emotional eating and addictions and all that kind of stuff. Yes. And I heal from all that, those kinds of things. And, and uh, hard, had a hard time dealing with all that stuff. But, but for me, the biggest challenges um, are not the uh, surgical removal of mm. things in my life. It's the, the slow bloodletting yeah, <laughs> of, yeah. of, of shit. So um, <laughs> when things move fast, I really do well with it. You know, and, I, and, I, and I make it – I have a saying um, – uh, don't cut things out of your life with a dull knife. Yes. Yeah. You know, kind of, you know, be shinto, like yes. slice, you know? And, 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 uh, and I think that, that when you do that, it's, it's not so hard. Um, it's when you, you keep on reaching for it again yes. while you're trying to cut away that you've got quite a mess on your hands. That is, that is the best, that is the best metaphor <laughs> to explain so much of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then once the, once you, once you, you cut through the thing and you make that full commitment and you do it, you access your power. That's right. There's no going back. Yeah. There's no, there is no going back. Even if you were to go back to the thing, like say you have a you have an addictive pattern to smoke sure. or drink or something, you go back to that thing. It's no longer the same because you are not the same person. So it doesn't taste the same. It doesn't feel the same. And you might be able to do it once in a while, yeah. Um, and that's fine. But you'll never be able to create another pattern out of it because you've literally shifted something inside of you that um, that created a holding pattern. It's true. It's true. Um, and I think that we, we do, because, because you have the, what I call kind of firefighting thing, which is how do you resolve when the house catches on fire and it's burning, but then you also have preventative maintenance. Mm. So there's so much that we can do in our lives through both experimentation, through testing, through getting out of our comfort zone. Um, if you put yourself through certain challenging growth scenarios, sometimes you give yourself the opportunity to prevent, uh, I believe, other challenges that could show up in life down the line. And yeah. that's just kind of a theory I have. Yeah, I can't necessarily mm. say that I test, I can test that fully, but it's definitely a theory that I have that seems to be holding true so far. When you, so when you actively challenge yourself and you put you you push through a certain threshold by your own choice right so like les brown has this great saying like either you act on life or life will act on you right yeah, yeah. it's also like um you know uh you either get down on your knees and pray or you get brought to your knees yes right like, like yeah <laughs> <laughs> either get down and you do your fucking work or it's gonna make you do it you know yeah. what i mean because you're not gonna you're not getting out of this thing you're not getting out of this thing and it's gonna happen one way or the other 
So you can kind of surrender and, and do it willingly, or you can resist it, you can fight it and be reluctant and, and then struggle your way through it. The biggest thing that I experience as a coach is I experience everybody uh, have full people are either making things more challenging on themselves than it needs to be, or they're not. Mm. And, uh, sometimes it takes months for people to actually see it, which is why we have to work together for a long time. When I work with people mm. because it's not going to happen right away. And I can show it to them right in front of them, their face and hold up a mirror. And it still may not happen right away, but they go through it, they go through it and they have to go through making it hard on themselves, make it harder, harder on themselves than it needs to be. And then all of a sudden they wake up out of it and they look at it and they go, Oh my God, what have I done? And you, you were trying to show me that the whole time and I couldn't see it. I said, yeah, but now you can. Oh my God. Everything shifted from there on. They realize they can, they can simply make things easier by choosing that, by choosing to just elevate themselves and choosing to relinquish pressure choosing to, or relinquish stress. Pressure is okay, but stress is, stress is, you know, and stress is okay too. Um, it's just, it's just the right way we deal with it. Right. Cause like at the end of the day, um, and this, this is a great thing I learned from Rhonda Patrick. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Rhonda Patrick's work. Mm-hmm. It's really amazing. Um, uh, kind of food and scientist clinician, um, works a lot with ketogenic stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, uh, she talks about the fact that everything that's good for us is technically stressful. Mm-hmm. And and such as like mm-hmm. e- even the the like the cytokines and blueberries that make them healthy. I think that's what they're called. I might be wrong. Are the anthocyanins or something? Anthocyanins. Like anthocyanins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, anthocyanins and blueberries that make them healthy uh, were only developed as a natural insecticide. Mm-hmm. So that was a stress response that actually is the very thing that makes it healthy. You eat it, you're processing a natural insecticide that doesn't harm you and it's actually good for you, but you actually put some stress in your body to process it. Yeah. Every time you work mm-hmm. out, it's stress. So the idea that we want to get completely removed from stress is bullshit. It's, it's not... Totally, yeah. It doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, laying down too long, that's stressful. Sitting too long, that's stressful. Yeah. Working out too hard, that's stressful. You have to, breathing is stressful in the body. (laughs) Everything is a format of stress. Mm -hmm. And it's so liberating to think about that. It's like, okay, cool. It's not, I shouldn't try to resist stress. I should, I should work to manage stress consciously. Just when it goes into distress, Mm -hmm. then that's when it becomes the problem, I feel. I love that. It's actually really well said. Mm-hmm. I love that a lot. Yeah, there's like the you stress, which is positive stress. You know, exerting yourself and growing and, and becoming anabolic, right? And, right. and developing characteristics and, and, and physically and, and mentally and all the other ways that we, we go through. Challenge, we challenge ourselves and we grow through it. But then there's the distress where it becomes emotionally carcinogenic. Right. And we, we belittle ourselves and bully ourselves and, and um, then it, then we basically live in this, this swamp of our own despair. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think that stress is not the issue, it's distress that's the issue. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great distinction and I'll definitely use that moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So uh, amazing conversation. Um what what is maybe one or two or even three insights that you would share with with the audience? Again, this audience, 
is this isn't an entrepreneur per se sure. podcast, but there are a lot of um, conscious entrepreneurs as well as everybody else listening to this. Sure. So, um, but very awakened human beings nonetheless. Uh-huh. So what are maybe some of those? I imagine things? they've got, they're very passionate and they're yeah, purpose-driven. Highly passionate, purpose-driven yeah. individuals. Right. And if they're not entrepreneurs, they're probably moving in that direction. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just like some tips for the, for, yeah. for those people. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, it, it doesn't make you like an Illuminati reptilian to just want to focus on profitability, you know? <laughs> uh, it doesn't mean you're, you're like some kind of like hodgepodge of, you know, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton's like devil child that just wants to like consume all resources. You know, (laughs) sorry if I offended anybody's political beliefs, but you know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that it means that if you want to sustain, uh, you know, build your business with an omnipositive mission, Mm. something that, that, that to the best of your ability is going to give back to as many and all levels as possible from a very simple way, serving people helping people, helping, you know, create solutions and, and, and then simplify it. Don't mm-hmm. try to do a million things. Don't try to do a million projects. Don't try to do a thousand things in a thousand directions. Um, focus in and find the one thing or the two things that you can do right now to get profitable. And then once you get profitable, don't just ride the wave and get comfortable Take that profitability and, and figure out what's the next step to scale the profitability. So people usually get stuck in that I'm profitable for a little bit and then I get comfortable yeah. and then I go into chaos and then I have the climatic chaos yes. to get profitable. So I get comfortable. Falling. It's a trap. And it just, it's, it's not, that's not going to get you as far as you want in terms of the impact orientation that you're probably looking for as a purpose driven person who wants to do good stuff in the world. Right. So that's a huge tip. Um, it usually focusing on the thing that's profitable is far more dynamically simple than you think it, it, mm. it could be, you know, uh, like a one-on-one coaching or it can be a program or it can be a service or it can be a product, but you just working on really selling that product. And I would say that that's, that's uh, number two, which is, um, sell, okay. sell what you have to offer. Um, I, I'll never forget. I was actually, um, Years ago, I was at a Brendan Bouchard's, uh, uh, like, Experts Academy, and um, he asked this question, which was basically, like, um, who has a goal to make a certain amount of money, like, a, a good amount of money, and, you know, we all raise our hands, and then um, uh, uh, we say, who here would like to make more money than they're making right now? We all raise our hands, right? And he says, uh, who here has more than uh, one thing for sale? I couldn't raise my hand. I said, who here is actually selling something right now? And it floored me. And I just was like, holy shit. The thing that drives everything, I'm not putting attention on. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> and um, I love Brennan for that because, because sometimes he just has these little moments. You know, I kind of go for these little moments yeah. with him that he just drops this little nugget that just poof, like opens, opens new pathways for a long time. But um, that that uh, that shifted something for me. So figure out very clearly what you have for sale, 
make it very simple, simpler than maybe you think you should, <clears throat> and, and then sell the shit out of it, you know, um, and, and do it out of a place of love, not chasing people, not manipulating people, um, do it out of a place of love, show up and be loving and show your care, show your genuineness, show your desire to help people uh, get a result in their life or transform into something that, that, that they're next level or or maybe it's a product that you have that, you know, tell the story of it. Um, and, and then you're going to really get momentum. Um, so, and I would say that that's, that's number three, which is create momentum in your life. Um, the biggest issue that I see is, um, people don't have momentum and what, what that means is that there's a lot of stop and go. There's, um, there's, uh, there's traction that then falls off. Um, many people aren't willing to, to actually put in the work of cranking the thing until it starts to go by itself like an old school engine, you know, and then boom, and now it's running and you don't have to crank it anymore, but you do have to steer it. So, so, so um, persevere to reach that place. It's going to be hard for everybody. It just is. It's just the way it is. But, um, but if you're, constantly comparing yourself to other people out there. If you're constantly yes. looking at all their models and all the things they're doing, I think you should do all of that, you know, pick, pick, pick the thing that's most closely to what you're doing. Follow that, give it your all and then develop momentum on it. You know, as, as you know, you, you mentioned that you're, you've got kind of a hustle background. You've yeah. got a hustle mentality. I do too. And as a result of that, uh, you know, um, my, my first entrepreneur career was selling drugs. You know? That's <laughs> just what I knew. <laughs> Perhaps some of your listeners will relate to that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but, um, but uh, you know, when you, when you kind of have that mentality, not everybody does. So it can be, it can be super challenging to start to cultivate that energy within yourself. Mm. Most people uh, out there, the question is if you have an entrepreneur focus, if you've got a purpose that you're trying to follow, um, are you spending eight hours a day working on it? Like someone else at a normal job, right? Um, or are you spending three or four hours a day on social media and two hours a day working on the thing you really should be doing and, um, and getting distracted and all of the distractions in the world, you know, turn that shit off. Like if yeah. you actually, put eight hours a day into following your passion and you were really focused about doing so goodness gracious, what you would achieve and accomplish in a very short period of time um, compared to most of the people out there who are getting distracted. It's just, there's, there's no comparison. So mm -hmm. the rest of the world is completely distracted. Um, and while they're distracted, you can get busy and you can get to work if you're able to stay focused. That last one you, you mentioned, it sounded like, um, distractibility was clear and also to stay out of the compare game, which leads to despair. That's right. You know, even Michael Beckwith in this Egypt tour that I just came back with, he even brought that up. Mm -hmm. The compare to despair mm -hmm. virus. Yeah. Yeah. And it's real. It is. It's real. Oh yeah. Um, you know, you do your thing and give it all you got. And the rest will follow yeah. and you'll be rewarded for those efforts. Mm. But, um, uh, again, compare comparison is extremely energy inefficient. Um, studying competitors has some energy efficiency. It just has to be done the right way, but mm. it's usually 
studying competitors is a neutral thing. Mm-hmm. Comparison is something that is riddled with emotional baggage. Totally. <laughs> yes. So those are very different things. Very yes. different things. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think for everybody out there, I just know that they have a lot of uh, ability, a lot of talent and that they, they can do really great stuff in the world. And, and, uh, I guess, uh, I guess the, the main thing I'll leave them with is like the world's waiting on them to do it. And if they want a better reality and they want better things, they want to, they want to go to the gym because I imagine a lot of your people aren't like that active on news and stuff, but mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we'll go to the gym and it's playing in our face or whatever. Mm-hmm. We go to a restaurant, yeah. we see the headlines and, um, and, and for, for all of them, for everybody out there, just know that if you want these things to change, um, you know, you don't need to put the pressure of the world on your shoulders, but if you don't step up and do it, no one else will. Right. So, so yeah. it, it is still up to us, but it's up to all of us. Yeah. It's not up to one of us. Yeah. We actually have to participate in our own evolution. Yeah, exactly. And I think one of the things that you do really well that I, I think is really inspiring um, is that you get out there. Mm. You talk to people. You meet people. You get out in the world. You're active. You go to events. You travel. You're just in Egypt. I mean, all that shit's amazing. Mm. Um, and, and look at all the growth that it's done for, for you. And that's been huge for me. So I think that um, everybody uh, listening you know, make sure to get out there. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm sure you've got a lot of active people. Yeah. And I, that, that's amazing. And I know that there's also those who are struggling with that a little bit mm-hmm. and just getting out there can make such a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. But just showing up. That's right. One, one day at a time. That's right. That's it. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So, um, where can everybody find your work? Awesome. Uh, right now, uh, we're in a rebrand process, so just go to amateurraw.com. Check that out. Um, feel free to sign up for the newsletter to, to get notifications of when all the new stuff launches, but um, right now, we're just getting that configured. You can also go to highvibetribe.net mm. and uh, sign up there. Um, there's some goodies on that, that site as well. And uh, feel free to follow me on Facebook. Like um, mm-hmm. My friend list is full, but follow me. Um, if you want to get in touch, shoot me a message. Um, I just love connecting with amazing new people. And if anything I inspired you, uh, if I inspired you today, I, I won't know unless you tell me. So I would, right. love, I would love to hear, hear that. Cause that just always lights me up and keeps me on track to mm. just know that I made a little difference in someone's world. But, um, uh, yeah, uh, other than that, um, I'm around and, and doing things and got lots of events and stuff. So keep me on your radar and, and, and maybe, maybe one day some of these, Listeners will will get to do an event together, and yeah. we'll, 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 they'll, yeah. they'll be there, and we'll get to kick it and kind of have a reunion of sorts. I would love that. That would be amazing. Yeah, sweet, perfect, awesome. All right, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show. Amazing episode, amazing conversation, total medicine for me personally, and. I know for you still listening to these episodes, if you're still listening at this point, then it had some kind of therapist, therapeutic, therapeutic. Thank you. (laughs) It's it's late right now. It's like, I feel like I'm, I'm, it's past my bedtime. Totally. Um, but it had a medicinal effect Mm. and that's real by the way, Mm. that's a real thing. And This is a really powerful topic to discuss and one that I've wanted to bring forth to all of you for for the benefit of all of you out there. No matter what you're going through in life, I feel like 
these principles are universal. And this was really just an amazing conversation that I'm really happy to be a part of. So, yeah. So with that said, thank you all for tuning in and we will catch you on the next episode. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Ronnie. You rock brother. And I just love what you're doing and I love your tribe and just congratulations and Mm. keep, keep showing up and shining, bro. You're rocking it. Mm. Likewise. Thank you. Mm. Thank you.